Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So I didn't fall in love with musical theatre right away. It took me a minute to get there. And one musical that really helped me is Wicked. That was in 2003. Wicked is now one of the longest-running shows on Broadway. Today on the podcast, how Wicked changed musical theater for good. I'm Elamine Abdul Mahmoud. This is Commotion. How you doing? Happy Boxing Day. Listen, if you're not a musical theater person... Huddle in close, I'm excited to tell you that for years and years there's been one battle cry that is captivating people who go to the theater more than any other. You have no idea how much I'm resisting the temptation to join them and also do that, but you know what? I will spare your ears. That is a bit of defying gravity from the musical Wicked. But what you just heard is 11 of the actors who played Alphaba, the main character of Wicked, singing this iconic moment, this iconic war cry. Wicked, if you haven't heard of it, is a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. It follows Alphaba, a young woman who's born with green skin. She's trying to navigate complicated family life. She's trying to struggle to fit in at this new school. And then she develops these magical powers. Along the way, she meets a young woman named Glinda, and the lives of the two witches are changed for good. 2023 is a big year for Wicked. First of all, it's been 20 years since that musical first hit the stage. It is now Broadway's fourth longest running show of all time. Over those years, it has won a lot of awards, so many Tonys. It has won a Grammy, not to mention it's been seen by over 60 million people worldwide. So to celebrate Wicked turning 20 and to make sense of why audiences find the show so thrillifying, I spoke to three Wicked experts, theater professor Stacey Wolf and Wicked podcasters Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. I started out by asking Kevin, what makes a musical so timeless? the show grows with you. Mm. Um, You know, I am in my 30s and I have been invested in this show for two thirds of that time. Um, And when I was in my teens, it was all about feeling outcast and it was all about, you know, being the rebel and being the black sheep. And now uh, as more of an adult watching it, it's about friendship and it's about Mm. loss and it is about giving up on something you thought you wanted. And so it, the show itself uh, continues to evolve and kind of morph in what its message is as mm. you continue to enjoy it. I love the idea that all these meanings have always been there in the work is just kind of like you pick up on them in different stages in your life. Anything that you guys want to add, Quincy, Stacy, maybe Quincy, I'll go to you first. 
Yeah, just I think what Kevin said is spot on. I only recently have tapped into the theme of life that I like to say it's about life, but yeah. the friendship that happens and <laughs> how complicated friendships can be. And even if you want a relationship to work out, sometimes life is just going to make it in a way that it can't happen. And there's no hard feelings or anything there. That's just kind of how life shakes out is yeah. a theme that I've only recently started to pick up on. And I've been obsessed with the show for over a decade, you know. Stacey, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. I love these answers and completely agree and do think that, uh, as Kevin said and Quincy agreed with, the growing with people is why you can love this musical when you're a kid and love it when you're an adult and see it in completely different ways. Other things that I think are important is that the songs are fantastic. Mm -hmm. The aesthetics are gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And every time you see the show, you see something different. Every time you listen to the music, you hear something different because the lyrics are so smart. The score is absolutely wonderful. And it is unusual because it's about two women and two wi- a w- friendship between two women that grows through the course of the show. And um, that's an incredibly amazing and unusual for Broadway feminist message. Mm-hmm. I actually want to come back to that. I want to come back to that idea that, you know, the wicked is something unusual that, you know, before it's time, we didn't really see this um, on, on the Broadway stages. But maybe Stacey can take us back to 2003. What was Broadway like at the time that Wicked actually debuted? Well, Broadway in 2003 was still recovering from the catastrophe of 9-11. So in the 2002 season, ticket sales increased. And in 2003, it was pretty much getting back to normal. And this show was kind of the end of the 2003 season. One of the markers of, uh, of the situation in New York and Broadway at the time was that Broadway and Times Square had been completely disnified, as they like to say, or gentrified. And yeah. it was a very tourist-friendly place. Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King and Aida were all playing on Broadway. So Disney had a huge presence. And in this way, Wicked is like, in some ways, like a Disney musical. It's very accessible. Uh, the point Kevin made about it going with you through the ages of your life. That is yeah. classic Disney. So mm-hmm. in that way, Wicked was very typical for Broadway, but it was also atypical in that it was political and sharply political, critical of politics and critical of a mob mentality. And it was about girls. It was about two (laughs) women and the relationship between them. And that was completely unheard of at the time. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about um, the the way that it was revolutionary. But also, I guess I'm kind of curious, if you get the show that is so different from all the other shows that are around it, how do audiences receive Wicked when it debuts? How do critics receive Wicked when it debuts? What was the reaction back in 2003? That's to Stacey. Well, I know that Kevin and Quincy know this. It was panned <laughs> by critics. It, everyone in the panel was just like laughing and smiling, laughing. by the way. As I asked that question, everyone was like, oh, you have no idea. Okay, continue, Stacey. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. This morning, I reread some of the reviews, and they were so much crueler than I had remembered them. Really yeah. mean. And I think part of it was that hmm. the show first opened in San Francisco, and it got a terrible reputation, and it was a mess. And I think critics were already predisposed to hate it Mm. when it came to New York. 
work, and it was described as bloated, a technicolor mess, seriously muddled, confusing. The only thing that critics liked were the actors, Adina Menzel mm-hmm. and Kristen Chenoweth, who were yeah. universally loved and admired. Yes. But one of the things- I And almost largely so- favored Kristen, I think, in the reviews they over did. Adina. I, I, think, I think they did, um, which we could probably take apart in terms of the role that that they mm-hmm. each played and mm-hmm. who's the bad guy. I wish you would guy. go off. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> get into it. Well, I mean, I think that, um, that the character of Glinda remakes the stereotypical white, elegant, boppy, popular, witch, and Kristen plays girl her. character. Yeah. And yeah. that's a role that Kristen plays. And I think she so upended our stereotype of the of the wicked or uh, no the good witch Glinda the good witch that mm-hmm. um, and she has incredible comic timing she's so mm-hmm. funny and it just brought a, an entirely new um, way of seeing that character and I think Alphaba is a more challenging role uh, in terms of mm-hmm. acting singing it's a very difficult role as all the Alphaba singing indicated to you so. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I think it speaks to like where to- Broadway was at the time exactly. too, yeah. where Chris, the way that Kristen sings in the show was a way that audiences at that current time period were used to hearing performers sing in Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. And I think what Adina was doing in this musical really, st- she started to do it in Rent and then I think really solidified it with Wicked, right. changed the way that we sing on Broadway. She um, brought that like rock pop sound into the quote unquote normal musicals right? Yeah. or the, the legit the, musicals. I was reading the That's New York such Times a great point. Review and it was like Adina Menzel will no doubt dazzle audience members who lean towards soft rock affinities but Chenoweth is the real deal and it was so right. mind-boggling to read that point of view from because like era. Broadway has like a specific sort of like aesthetic and and and, yes. sort of, and, and, and accepts mm-hmm. a certain kind of wave singing more than another one yeah. I should say which I would say now the aesthetic leans more towards an Correct. Adina Menzel type of singing totally. but at the time Kristen and the way Kristen sang was all the rage yeah, uh, she was seen as a legit, she is a legit, a quote unquote, legit soprano. That is such mm-hmm. a good point. Uh, so I want to play you guys. Um, so the original Broadway production went on to win three Tonys, including a Best mm. Actress win for Adina as Alphaba. I want to play you a bit of her acceptance speech. Oh. Thank you. I, I am so proud to be in a musical that celebrates women that celebrates their strengths and their differences. And to be in, in the company of these women this evening is, is just a dream for me. Thank you so much. And Kristen Chenoweth, you are the grace and the light on that stage every night. I, this is something we built together and I love you. I just want to describe to people listening at home that the entire panel has, uh, you guys all have your hands clasped, maybe on the verge I of cry tears. Um, totally. <laughs> and I, I love that. I love that Like this is like, again, this is the energy that we're bringing to this, but also the space that this show is able to create. Um, Stacey, maybe I'll put this to you because you've mentioned this idea that the show is revolutionary for centering two women characters at the time of Wicked's debut. But we kind of see this a lot now. We see this a lot now in terms of like... The, the shows that sort of occupy um, occupy Broadway, do you think um, we kind of owe all of that to Wicked? I do. And um, another thing that I think we owe to Wicked that that clip raises and that Quincy and Kevin have raised is the ability of audiences to overcome the reviews. This was mm. one of the first <clears throat> this is one of the first shows on Broadway that was panned and no one cared. And audiences <laughs> came anyway. Mm. Yeah. And it, and after this moment, 
was when audiences and fans became as powerful, if not more powerful than the critics and critics yeah. could no longer close a show. I'm sure these guys have something to say about that. Kevin, go ahead. S- something that we talk about on our podcast a lot is that Wicked happened, or Wicked opened, I should say, at the perfect lightning strike when internet culture was taking off mm. because all of a sudden we had something to talk about on the message boards and all of a sudden people could sneak a camera into the show and record and we could all talk about which, you know, which alphabet mm-hmm. we liked the best. Um, and so it was really kind of just because of the nature of it being 2004, 2005, 2006. Yeah. It was kind of primed for fan culture at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've had actresses on our podcast who say that they have a fan base because people have discovered them on the internet. They have a fan base of people who have never seen them live, but through their mm-hmm. wicked bootlegs Aww. are now huge fans of these Broadway performers, you know? I, I so I, actually, I want to spend a bit of time talking about the fan culture around wicked because I, I think it's like unlike anything else. Um, and so I want to return to that in just a moment. But maybe Kevin, Quincy just mentioned this idea that you guys have talked to a lot of the actors who have played Alpha Bang over the years. What is it about these two roles that end up maybe possibly defining an actor's career? Oh, well, I mean, these are, like Stacy said, these are two big roles. These yeah. are heavy sings for both actresses. These are big, um, you know, uh, emotionally taxing acting roles. Uh, the actress playing Alphaba never leaves the stage once she's on. And I think Glinda's only off stage for maybe 10 minutes and, you know, at yeah. a time. Um, and I think for an actress, having either of these roles on your resume is a big, like, blue verification check mark. It's like, I can lead a show. Yeah. I can sing the way you need me to sing. I can um, exist in the corporate structure of a Broadway musical. Mm. Um, it's it, it is a big signifier of uh, what it means to be a leading lady in the sense of leading a company and um, you know carrying a show right. and being the person that the audience is going to associate as the show. Like if like the if skill you, set is a broad if, skill set. Correct. Exactly that. Uh, Quincy, you were you sort of you're shaking, you're nodding as Kevin was speaking there. What what do you think it is about these these roles that makes can make a career for someone? I mean, yeah, I do wholeheartedly believe that these playing these roles can really kickstart a career, yeah. and you see it in modern day Broadway where now it's kind of become a type of actress where you have a new newer musical like Waitress or Frozen where it's like, okay, let's just, any alphabet we know can play Elsa in Frozen, any alphabet we know we can slot into the role mm. of Jenna because it's such a stalwart in the musical theater canon mm-hmm. now. Um, and it's a very, and you look at all the, we call them the golden age alphabets and Glindas who did the roles from when it opened to around like 2007, 2008. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you look at all of them and that was at the start of their career. And so many of them have turned into these Broadway leading ladies that we all know and love and gone on Legends. to have these incredible careers. And they all started in Wicked. Hey, I'm journalist Sam Sanders. I'm poet Saeed Jones. And I'm producer Zach Stafford. And we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check. On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and entertainment, and how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show, from real-life issues like grief to music and movie critiques. And that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat, Come to Life. Follow and listen to Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. 
What is this feeling so sudden and new? I felt the moment I laid eyes on you. My pulse is rushing. My head is reeling. My face is flushing. What is this feeling? Fervid as a flame. You guys look like a delight. My name is Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud, and this is Commotion. Today on the podcast, Stacey Wolf, Quincy Brown, and Kevin Bianchi are all here to talk about Wicked, the musical, and its 20th anniversary. They're all dancing. They're all dancing as I'm looking at them right now. We just heard a bit of What Is This Feeling, Elphaba and Glinda's first duet in the show. Stacey, you've written about how the show plays on a lot of queer conventions. Many fans point out this song as being one example of that. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Well, one of the reasons that I think Wicked is popular in no, no pun intended, uh, um, in, in addition to it being revolutionary is that it's actually built on a very old fashioned musical theater structure. It's pretty much mm-hmm. a Rogers and Hammerstein musical with two women. Mm. And if you trace the organization of the songs that tell their story, and most of the songs in the show are duets, which is very unusual. There are a lot of solos. There are a lot of ensemble numbers, but the majority of the show is duets with these two mm. women singing together mm. so um, beautifully. And what we we were each dancing in our seats, but we were not singing, which I know we all wanted to be doing along with that, <laughs> <laughs> with that recording. But um, Loathing is, is such a great example. And I think Loathing also demonstrates how self-conscious Stephen Schwartz and Winnie Holtzman were when they were writing this show, that they know their musical theater history mm. backwards and forwards, because this show is a quintessential subjunctive love song, like what we call a musical theater theater scholarship. Mm -hmm. So it's the first duet in a show where the characters hate each other or don't get along or don't like each other. Mm. But because they sing together, the audience knows they're going to get together in the end. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happens Mm. in this show, in this song. And this song is so smart about it because it plays on all of that because it sounds like they're going to say, I'm in love with you. And then they say, face flushing in my head. Exactly. All of the things that signify love, but then they loathe each other. And then as the musical goes on, all of the songs map their relationship Hmm. in a pretty old-fashioned Rodgers and Hammerstein way where they come together, they come apart, they each express their desires, they get along, they don't get along. And then at the end, they sing Changed for Good, which is their love duet, where they express their love for one another. And even though in the story, Elphaba leaves and Glinda stays, in our emotional connection to this show, those women are together and those women are a couple. Mm -hmm. Kevin, is that how you read it too? That is how I read it. And I feel like, uh, you know, whether you view it as platonic or romantic, this is a show about the relationship between these two women. Mm. Um, But then I think the other part of it being a very like queer show is this, it just has this built in fan base with, we always talk about with queer people and especially with gay men is Mm. like, you know, we are trained from an early age to identify with the villain in things because it's always, the villain's always a fop or the villain is always a butch woman. Yeah. Um, And The villain tends to be queer coded in a way. Yeah. Right. And so, and so then. The diva. The diva. Right. To then have this musical handed to you where it's like, here's, here's the celebration of the villain. Mm. And, you know, all these little gay kids being like, oh, well, what is this gift or this curse that I have inside me? And maybe someday that will be celebrated. But for now, it's like people are just targeting this thing about me against myself. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so it does speak, uh, again, kind of subconsciously or beneath the surface to the of the queer experience in addition to these kind of like subtle queer love story that Stacey's talking about. Well, yeah, I was going to say like in some ways we're talking about Wicked as a show that has helped to imagine, reimagine what we see on stage. But a lot of fans, a lot of critics have pointed out that the show is not perfect in that way. You know, Stacey, mm-hmm. how does Wicked compare to other Broadway shows when it comes to the representation of who we actually see on stage? Well, I think, as we've said over and over, the fact that two women are the stars of this show cannot be overpraised. It's so unusual for two women to carry it uh, the way they do and the way Kevin and Quincy talked about it being so important in an actor's career to mm. be able to play one of these roles. So that alone is, is was, and still is revolutionary. I think as soon as they started casting actors who were not white or very thin as one of the leads, that was revolutionary. It mm. took a surprisingly long time quite for recent, that to right? happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quite recent for um, the first Black Glinda. And to my, to my mind, really surprising. And I would lo- I really am curious to hear what Quincy and Kevin have to say about it. And then the other unfortunate representation um, that I know these guys know about is the negative characterization of Nessa Rose and the mm-hmm. idea that one of the most evil characters in the show uh, has a disability and is confined mm-hmm. to a wheelchair. And that's such an old, outmoded trope of disability mm-hmm. being represented by an evil character. And I think that um, I'm sure that it was unintentional on the part of the creators because the show really goes overboard to portray a liberal progressive message. It tries very hard to give everyone a fair shot. And I think probably if Wicked was opening now in 2023, the creators and the creative team would be more attentive to that stereotype because fortunately in recent years, uh, all of us able-bodied folk are much more attentive to representations of uh, people with disabilities on stage. So I think I wouldn't cancel Wicked or hate Wicked. I just feel like it's something that we need to talk about as we talk about all of the dynamics of representation and their political realities. Quincy, how do you read this? Yeah. I think it's exactly right. I think it's actually indicative of just what where the Broadway industry was at at the time Wicked mm-hmm. opened, Wicked totally. opened 20 years ago. Sure. And 20 years ago, if you're going to have a Black person in the show, it's because they are portraying a Black person and it's a Black show. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was an actress who played Alphaba in, I think, like 2000, early on in the run. And the online chatter was that she was a big alphaba, a fat alphaba, a thick alphaba. And you look back now and this actress was not at all, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm. even the fact that that was the conversation happening at that time, I Mm. think shows maybe why the show has been so slow to change. Um, And to Stacey's point, now that society is at a point where we are pushing for these things, I think Wicked is actually one of the long running shows who is actively trying to address that and address it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the West End cast right now, all three principals are black, which I think is incredible. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that, like, yeah, it is a little insane to me that we haven't had a full-time black alphabet on Broadway, especially when, you know, so many black people key into alphabet. And it's like, this is a yes. black character. Like, this is an allegory for someone being black. Her skin is green and she gets made fun for her skin color. Yet we have these white Tormented. actresses playing her over and over and over again, yeah. you know? And yeah. I think it brings a lot to the show, like having a black woman play the character because they can key into Alphaba and the experience of being Alphaba in a way that a white actress just can't, you know? Yeah. Uh, Kevin, it looks like you were going to say something. 
Well, I would just add to um, kind of t uh, touching back to the character of Nessa Rose, another uh, representation or diversity issue there is that there has never been an actress who uses a wheelchair play that role yeah. um because right. a so right. speaking for the gershwin theater specifically on broadway that backstage is not uh ada accessible it's not accessible right. yeah and then it there is blocking in the show that requires that actress to be on her feet and it's like well there are ambulatory wheelchair users who who could do that and what something about the movie that's coming up that I think is really exciting is that it's the first time that a wheelchair user is playing the role of Nessa Rose. And I think mm. that, and the fact that Cynthia Revo, a queer black woman is playing Alphaba in the movie, I think yes. is really, I hope is going to signal a change in the way that we're seeing these, these characters cast on Broadway as well. I think it'll definitely, I think by having the movie Alphaba be black and the movie Nessaros be an actual wheelchair user, that is no doubt going to influence how the stage productions get cast because right. this, these movies are going That's to become how now. the mainstream sure. culture sees wicked, you know? And I should also like say Chicago, the Chicago revival yeah. and the movie, it's very different than the original, but that is now the image that people expect of right of that property i have to say quincy the point that you made about the idea that like it's, the show is actually responding relatively quickly to how society has changed is worth mm -hmm. noting because it's one thing to sort of erect a show during a period of time when our norms were different but now that they've kind of changed it's not like every show on broadway is suddenly much more diverse and doing better at this <laughs> but wicked yeah. is, is, is you know more uh, meaningfully pursuing that okay we can't talk about wicked without hearing a little bit of this song you will be popular you're gonna be popular i'll teach you the proper poise when you talk to boys little ways to flirt and glance Ooh, i'll show you what to that is popular from wicked it's one of the most popular songs from one of the most popular musicals <laughs> of the 21st century listen uh it I think it's really important to actually talk um, about the fact that uh, we t all, all the time we talk about how there's no new ideas anymore. But this is a show that has existed for 20 years and people are still interested in it. Um, they're interested in it even though it's based on existing IP because it's based on a book that is based on a movie. Um, it's kind of has had this very circuitous route and people are, can't get enough of the show. Maybe I'll put this to Quincy. Quincy, it did help us understand a new era of Broadway fandom. Could you tell us about how fans relate to the show online, the way that they talk about it. Because earlier, someone mentioned bootleg recordings of earlier alphabets. And I'm like, oh my God, that's how people talk about, like, I don't know, like the Grateful Dead from 1975. Like, what, so tell me, <laughs> tell me about like the fan culture. Yeah, of, of I mean, I'll tell you my own story. Let's so I go. grew up in Hawaii, where obviously I didn't have access to live theater in the way that I do now living in New York. So I discovered Wicked through Broadway bootlegs, yeah. bootlegs on YouTube. Um, and what that did was I was able to compare and contrast like, oh, Eden Espinosa performs Defying Gravity this way, Stephanie J. Right. Block sings it this way. And you build up your Rolodex <laughs> of all of these actresses and how they perform the character. Yeah. I had Wicked memorized as a musical before I ever saw it live. The first time I saw it live, <laughs> when the tour finally came to Hawaii, I knew every single word. I knew every actress who had ever played it. I was the biggest fan oh my only because of bootlegs. Yeah. And that 
and there's a whole culture behind it. So I had a website where you can collect these files. They have masters who go in and record the actual thing and then release it online to people. And then you trade with other bootleggers like, <laughs> oh, I'll give you Eden Espinosa in LA in 2008 if you can give me Stephanie J. Block on Broadway in 2006. And you just build up this huge, co- I have hard drives and hard drives of and hard drives of just wicked bootlegs um, that kind of sustained me and my love for theater while I was not in New York City and able to have actual access to it. The way that you're mm-hmm. talking about it, like it's your like lifeblood is giving it, me <laughs> life. I love it. I love it. Okay. Before we go, I got one more question to ask you and it's about the movie. Yeah. Uh, for the longest time it's been like this movie, is it happening? Is yeah. not happening? It's been uh-huh. in the oven for 20 years. <laughs> that is a long time to be baking a movie, but yeah. allegedly it's arriving. Allegedly, you know, <laughs> Ariana Grande and Cynthia are cooking. You know, I, Kevin, what can we expect? from the movie when it finally arrives I presumably sometime this decade yes yeah I know I'm, my as soon as the actor strike happened I was like oh my god please don't delay Wicked again please don't delay the <laughs> Wicked movie again um, I think what we can expect to see is um, much like in the vein of Adina and Kristen I think Cynthia Revo and Ariana Grande are both women who were put on this earth to sing they have Mm. two of the most powerful voices out there and i think that is key to casting these two roles in in a movie that is going to become such a definitive version in people's minds yeah um and so i'm really looking forward to i mean we know cynthia is going to act the he double hockey sticks out of it and we know you know we know we know you can say hell that's totally fine and we know ariana can do that you know frothy pop princess kind of thing yes um and so i think really then them having these incredible voices is just going to be a powerhouse of a a movie and we talk all the time about how ariana grande is our modern day glinda she (laughs) is is like a 2023 glinda in real life so i really do think it's perfect (laughs) casting and i think she's going to surprise a lot of people um too there's been a lot of chatter going around, but I think uh, watching how she has very intentionally distanced herself from her pop star identity during yes. this yes. Wicked era, yes. to me, signals how seriously she is taking this role and she knows the pressure that is on her. Um, and I'm very excited to see it. Stacy, last word to you. What are you expecting from the movie? I'm really excited and curious to see the dynamic between them because I think that film is so different than theater. And when you're Mm. in the theater and seeing the actors as Glinda and Elphaba, you can feel the chemistry between them in virtually every production I've seen. And I can't wait to see how that comes across on film. Oh, my gosh. I'm excited for this movie. I'm excited that you all were here. Kevin, Quincy, Stacy. thank you so much for your time. This has been a delight of my day. Thank you. This is the best. Thank Thank you you so much. Of course. (laughs) Thank you. Stacey Wolf is a professor at Princeton University and the author of Change for Good, A Feminist History of the Broadway Musical. She was in New Jersey. Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi are co-hosts of Sentimental Men, a Wicked podcast. They were in New York City. Wicked the Musical turns 20 this year and it returns to the stage in Toronto next summer. I'm going to see you there. And that is it for the podcast today. Remember, you can listen to the show anytime you like, wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you've got a moment, check us out on Instagram. We are at CommotionCBC. My name is Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. Hey, I hope you're enjoying your holiday. I'll see you tomorrow. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.